Hello. Wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arkli and this is today's tech briefing. Later in the program, I'll be joined by my colleague Divya Shekhar to talk to Manoj Gopal Krishnan, a professor at the Indian Institute of Technology Bombay, whose company Algorithmic Biologics has a new way of mass testing for coronavirus infection. That's after these headlines. Infosys CEO Salil Parekh and COO Praveen Rao were among the IT company's top executives who met virtually with Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman on Tuesday to discuss the still unresolved glitches in the new income tax portal developed by Infosys, Press Trust of India reports. The Finance Minister asked Infosys to fix all issues on the new income tax portal immediately, while the software company said at least five technical glitches, including viewing past ITRs, and e-proceedings are expected to be resolved within a week. The ministry had received more than 700 emails from stakeholders detailing over 2,000 issues, including 90 unique issues slash problems with the new portal, Press Trust reports. Google's market position in the Indian smart TV market will be investigated by the Competition Commission of India after allegations that Google had abused the dominant position of Android the country's smart TV market, TechCrunch reports. In its initial review, the Competition Commission, which began looking into these allegations last year, said Google had breached certain anti-competitive laws. The Commission is of the prima facie opinion that by making pre-installation of Google's proprietary apps, particularly Play Store, conditional upon signing of ACC, Android compatibility commitments, for all Android devices manufactured, distributed, marketed, by device manufacturers, Google has reduced the ability and incentive of device manufacturers to develop and sell devices operating on alternative versions of Android, that is, Android folks, and thereby limited technical or scientific development relating to goods or services to the prejudice of consumers, the Commission said in its 24-page order, according to TechCrunch. The European Union has also opened a formal antitrust investigation into allegations that Google abuses its leading role in the advertising technology sector. Amazon's recent agreement to to purchase Hollywood studio MGM will be reviewed by US Federal Trade Commission under new chairwoman Lena Khan, a prominent critic of big tech, Wall Street Journal reports. Amazon last month announced its deal for MGM, which would boost its prime video streaming platform in a market that includes Rivals such as Netflix and Walt Disney, MGM has a library of more than 4,000 films, including the James Bond franchise, and a television catalogue that includes The Handmaid's Tale and Vikings. During recent inter-agency negotiations, the FTC secured the right to review the Amazon-MGM deal. The FTC pushed for jurisdiction over the merger review because it already has an open, wide-ranging antitrust investigation into Amazon's business practices, the journal reports. Instagram is adding new shopping tools like letting people search for products using an image as parent Facebook expands e-commerce offerings across its family of apps, Bloomberg reports. When users click on the images they see on Instagram, the app will direct them to similar looking products for sale. A user could click on a floral dress on the social media network and find similar outfits being sold in Instagram shops, which are the stores the app hosts from third-party businesses, Bloomberg reports. 
The test will begin later this year in the US. In the future, Instagram plans to enable users to take a photo from their phone to start a visual search similar to technology already offered by Pinterest, Google and Snap. Twitter is opening applications for a limited test of its super follows and ticketed spaces features, The Verge reports. US-based users can apply separately for each program through Twitter's mobile app. Super follows are restricted to iOS, while ticketed spaces are available on iOS and Android. Twitter will select a small group of users to test its new monetization features, both of which were announced earlier this year. The Super Follows features lets users charge $2.99, $4.99 or $9.99 per month for access to exclusive content. Ticketed Spaces lets them charge between $1 and $999 for access to one of Twitter's social audio rooms and it offers extra features like setting a room size cap. Users can see if they are eligible to apply by checking a new monetization option in the mobile app sidebar. Test group participants will initially keep 97% of the money they make with ticketed spaces or super followers after the fee that iOS and Android charge for in-app purchases. Twitter will increase its cut from 3% to 20% if a user makes a total of $50,000 on both systems. One of the areas that the COVID pandemic has spawned innovation in is of course diagnostics. Scientists are trying to find faster, cheaper and better ways of testing large numbers of people for the coronavirus infection. Manoj Gopal Krishnan, a professor at IIT Bombay, has just commercialized a method he calls tapestry pooling, which has been found to be fairly accurate in a college campus of 400 people, for example. To talk to Professor Gopal Krishnan about his new company, Algorithmic Biologics, which has just been approved by India's drugs regulator to take tapestry pooling to the market, I'm joined by my colleague Divya Shekhar, who's been covering the whole COVID scene in India pretty much from the start. Hey, Divya, welcome to the show. Hi, Hari. Professor Manoj, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for making time for this uh, interview. Uh, for starters, uh, maybe you could tell us a bit about uh, the idea behind uh, Algorithmic Biologics, yeah, the company you have started, and then we'll have some follow-on questions. Hi, Hari. Pleasure to be here. Hi, Divya. Uh, so as the name suggests, um, um, I had I had given a talk at uh, Prithvi Theatre a few years back when I was a faculty member at TIFR. Uh, the title of the talk was Life Minus Matter Equals Algorithms. So somehow the idea is that uh, collections of molecules can uh, exhibit very, very sophisticated behavior in living systems. Uh, but in human hands, we have not yet figured out how to uh, get them to exhibit the same kinds of behaviors. And the difference seems to be the algorithmic sophistication that biology is able to exhibit. So somehow uh, the goal has been to try to, the goal in my own research over the past uh, years has been to try to uncover uh, that kind of algorithmic structure that hides in living systems. So the company aims to uh, yeah, the company aims to work on that direction. So really think about uh, what algorithmic methods uh, can be borrowed from biology, can be brought uh, to the study of molecules and to both uh, sense molecules and to choreograph molecules and thereby enable new applications 
uh, across uh, different industries. So across industries like pharmaceuticals, agriculture, and so on. Um, so Manoj, I was you know interested in knowing more about uh, you know tapestry. I mean, uh, you know, how, how did you develop this technology, and uh, you know, uh, what's what's the uh, how is mass uh, uh, you know testing going to help us? So if you could just start by telling us how did you come to develop this, and how does this product work? So maybe I'll first explain what the method is before I go a little bit into the history. Uh, so uh, a very simple example would be, uh, suppose I want to test uh, uh, 16 people. So 16 people, if I test each person individually, that's 16 tests uh, that can be done and uh, you get 16 results. Uh, but you may ask, what if you happen to know in advance that only one of these 16 people is positive. Let us say somehow you know this. Uh, do you still need 16 experiments or is it possible to identify that one person who is positive in less than 16 experiments? It turns out that uh, you can identify in less than 16 experiments. Uh, one simple way of doing this might be some kind of a binary method where you put eight people in one test and uh, if those eight people are negative, then the person must be in the other eight. So that eight, you break into four and four. You test the first four. If it is negative, then you test the other four. So in this kind of a way, you can drill down and find the positive in only like some five tests or so. Uh, the problem with this uh, method in a real lab situation would be that uh, it is what is known as adaptive. So the next experiment you have to do depends on the result of the previous experiment. And these experiments take very long in a lab. They take four, five, six hours. So if you do five rounds of experiments, that's 30 hours to get our results and 30 hours of nonstop work, right? So there will be gaps in between. So it will be days before we get our results. So it's not really a practical thing to do in a lab. Um, but one can take this idea and take some hope from it that one may need not need so many tests. So what we do is uh, we do uh, we combine samples in different ways so that every sample ends up going to uh, different cohorts, different groups of samples. So for example, for 16, uh, you could arrange these 16 samples in a grid of four by four. And every row, you could uh, combine the samples, the four samples in the first row and test all four together four samples in the second row, test all four together. Similarly, every column you combine it. And now you have done eight tests. You have tested every row, you have tested every column. And exactly one row will be positive, corresponding to the one person, you know, the row of the person who was positive. Exactly one column will be positive, corresponding to the column of the person who was positive. And from this row and column information, you have uniquely picked out the one person who was positive. Uh, so, so this is uh, the kind of idea, right? Now we can uh, we can apply more math to this. We can make the code much more interesting, and we can make we can get more information out of every test than just positive or negative. We can get the quantitative information that the machine measures and use that to do our solving. So all of that goes into our algorithm, and together we are able to set up a puzzle, and then get the lab to do the experiments on a very reduced uh, number of pools 
rather than all the individual samples. And then given the results on these pools, we are able to deconvolve and give individual level results for every sum. Now, uh, you, you also asked me how I came up with this. Uh, so the idea uh, goes back to, I think, 2009, when there was a swine flu epidemic. And uh, I was uh, thinking about how to get more testing available. Because that was, again, even in the swine flu epidemic, testing was one of the bottlenecks. Everybody needed to be tested. There weren't enough tests. And so this idea of pooling uh, came to me. And this idea that one could do a single round pooling came to me, that uh, it could be done this way, and that it could be done in a quantitative manner. Uh, because uh, using ideas uh, from this uh, field of algorithms called compressed sensing which at that point of time I was also studying. So it kind of, uh, I suppose, you know, it's one of those connections that you make, you're studying something and then you read something in the news and then the two kind of click together. At that point, I couldn't get uh, experimental collaborators to try this out in a lab. Uh, so it didn't really go any further. It was one of those ideas that I filed away in a folder on my computer and, uh, you know, kept it around for, a rainy day and when COVID came around, uh, people around me, many of my biology colleagues started talking about pooling. And that's when I realized that there was a lot of interest in the COVID pandemic situation for pooling and pooling like solutions. And uh, so that's when we revived this uh, idea, this technique of tapestry pooling and uh, uh, actually were able to get labs to try it out and uh, make it work. The, the product has recently received a, a, a go-ahead from the regulator. Um, so what is the accuracy levels uh, uh, like for this? And, and uh, how much time does, does it take to carry out this, this mass testing? We have quantified the accuracy level uh, relative to the accuracy level of individual testing, individual RT-PCR testing. We have taken that as a gold standard. So what we do is we take a bunch of samples, we test them individually, and we test them using our method of tapestry pooling, and then we compare the results. And we have done this uh, for uh, you know several hundred samples, and out of all the, actually yeah, a couple of thousand samples is more correct. Uh, and out of all these samples tested, uh, the, uh, we have had very good sensitivity and very good specificity. Uh, within you know confidence intervals at the kind of prevalences at which we are planning to deploy it, the sensitivity and specificity uh, look you know close to ninety nine percent. So that's what it's looking like. Right, and you are looking at uh, deployment particularly in uh, say educational institutions or uh, you know commercial spaces, etc. Correct. So the strength of this method is uh, finding. You know, so one talks about medical diagnostics as finding a needle in a haystack. Uh, we are good at finding which haystack has the needle. So if there are 1,000 people on a campus and 10 of them have uh, COVID, then that's a kind of situation. 10 or fewer have COVID. That's the kind of situation where this kind of method really shines. So uh, that can be achieved if the same cohort, the same population is being tested week after week. 
and we are retesting only those people who are negative because the people who are positive have already gone on to be quarantined or to get you know further appropriate medical care so they would not be participating in the repeat test so in that kind of situation one doesn't expect more than 10 people to be positive on that campus so so that is the use case for us we are not uh, at the moment uh, looking to deploy at fever clinics or hospitals or situations like that and uh, what would the cost structure be there are as you can you know guess the biggest advantage of this method is that it allows a lab uh, with a certain capacity to massively increase the capacity the number of samples it can test uh, based on without spending on opex without spending on capex they don't need to buy new equipment they don't need to buy any new uh, materials or uh, hire any new people it's the same people it's the same labor but previously if you were being able to test a certain number of samples now you can test a larger number of samples now uh, how this translates to pricing on the ground is a fairly complicated economic question uh, because uh, that is set by demand and supply and so on so we do believe that we can bring down the cost of testing at least half the cost of testing uh, in uh, for campus screening use cases so if currently labs are charging say uh, 500 rupees or in some places or in some geographies they are charging 1000 rupees for a result uh, we believe whatever it is we can bring it down dramatically uh, and uh, make it uh, yeah so so really the goal we were aiming at is if people are to be tested every week uh, then in a month a person should not be paying more than 1000 rupees uh, throughout the month so that's the kind of number we were aiming at and uh, tapestry had a pre commercial deployment at triple it hyderabad right so what were the results that you found there yeah we had a deployment at triple it hyderabad campus who has been very proactive in this pandemic uh, so middle of february we started tapestry pooling at that campus and since then non stop every week everybody on campus has been participating in this screening uh this campus has had very good uh, outcomes compared to other campuses in the country in terms of uh, safety in terms of they managed to keep the campus open through the second wave uh, whereas many other similar campuses had suddenly found out they had 100 plus students positive and they had to shut down in a hurry uh what happened here was we saw some positives happening so initially we saw positives among the people who are traveling in and out of campus every day by public transport and uh, as soon as we identified these positives these people were quarantined and given appropriate medical care uh, at some point uh, uh, we found one case in the hostel and once there is a case in the hostel it becomes uh, very difficult to check because people are in close proximity and then it spreads very fast uh, <coughs> luckily because of this regular testing Uh, we were able to keep the number of cases down throughout and in a few weeks we were able to completely sniff out the cases and for the last uh, few weeks uh, it has been uh, covid free 
Right. Um, so just for my understanding, so when you uh, uh, deployed it in IIIT Hyderabad, what is the frequency of testing that you had to uh, conduct among the same group of people? And uh, how many uh, uh, you know, people participated in, in, in testing or got themselves tested? Yeah, so there were about 400 people on campus. And this number was, of course, varying. It came down, went up a little bit, but roughly 400 is a good number uh, to keep in mind. And we were testing everybody every week. So every week there is a sample collection. And after that sample collection, there is a tapestry pooling and then a testing of all the pools and then deconvolution using our algorithm. Then we declare the results to the campus and the campus takes appropriate downstream steps. Right. And, and in this particular case, how much time exactly did it take for uh, uh, the entire process of testing till the results? Yeah. So uh, this was uh, our field trial. So there were a few rough edges, as you might imagine. So it was taking us uh, roughly around 24 hours to get the results up. Right. Uh, but you, you feel that uh, uh, in uh, uh, you know, real-world commercial deployments, the time could come down even lesser than 24 hours? Yeah, so so we would like to give results uh, within 12 hours. We think one of the strengths of our method is that we can give results faster. And uh, the value of giving results faster is immeasurable. Because if there is one person who is COVID infected, you give that person 12 more hours to spread the infection in a community, you might have eight more, 10 more, 12 more cases on your hands. And that is not uh, something anybody wants. So time is a variable that I think uh, in terms of testing that I think it's, it has not been, uh, yeah, I mean, the urgency of that has not been fully appreciated. Correct. Um, you know, if we could just uh, now look at the why now aspect of this in the sense that, uh, you know, the second COVID-19 wave is receding and, you know, caseloads are coming down. Uh, so what do you think will be the merit of commercial usage for tapestry now? Yeah. So, so, uh, what we are seeing is the people who want to reopen, say an office space or a college campus or a factory, any kind of uh, such space that wants to reopen, there is always an economic uncertainty. What if tomorrow there is somebody who gets COVID? What if tomorrow there are 10 people who get COVID? What if tomorrow there are 50 people who get COVID? Right? At what time will I have to shut down my campus? And there is a cost to that uncertainty. And uh, what we are seeing now is uh, tapestry pooling as some kind of an assurance to uh, ensure that people on campus are safe, to give assurance to the people on campus that indeed their safety is being taken care of. And this kind of an insurance, right? That's the third leg in some sense that uh, we will be able to keep uh, campuses open and we will be able to ensure that any cluster that is detected doesn't lead to a full-blown outbreak, which will lead to uh, unplanned shutdown of a campus and unplanned loss of valuable hours. Right. Uh, and are there, or do you intend to take it uh, beyond, uh, say, uh, educational or uh, you know, office campuses in the future? Uh, what's your plan to scale this up? Yeah. So we do think that uh, apartment complexes uh, are also a potential place where this can be applied. Uh, essentially, any place where people see value 
in uh, some kind of gradual reopening in resuming social interactions uh, we believe that this kind of method has uh, has merit and especially in a post vaccination world where uh, we are looking for those rare individuals who have the infection uh, in an attempt to detect early some new variant of the virus uh, this kind of testing uh, becomes a very important strategy to complement the vaccination and is there like a minimum or maximum number of people who can be uh, tested in 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 a, in a single batch or single pool yeah so as you may understand the whole economics the way that it works for us is that uh, we are giving uh, campuses a price that is lower than what we are paying the lab and much lower than what we are paying the lab and this is possible because of the pooling that is acting as a wrapper around the testing that the lab is doing uh, so to enable this we are economics works at certain sizes so we prefer sizes where there are 200 samples or more uh, but we are willing to explore also situations where there may be fewer fewer samples uh, especially if uh, there might be other nearby clients who can uh, be uh, you know combined with this group or something like that I was just curious about the the name uh, tapestry pooling. I mean, the pooling part I understood a little bit because you you pool the samples into cohorts. Uh, what is the tapestry part about? Oh, so uh, the physicist Richard Feynman uh, is one of my heroes. Uh, he has this uh, famous quote. So he says, "Nature uses only the longest threads." in her patterns so that each small piece of her fabric reveals the design of the entire tapestry that's beautiful yeah so so he of course you know means it at the scale of the universe he says i do a small experiment in a lab and i discover a law that applies to the entire universe so that's what he means when he says each small piece of her fabric reveals the design of the entire tapestry now in our case when we make a result right when we call some sample as positive or negative that sample has participated in three pools but there are other samples that it has participated in in those three pools which have participated in other pools so uh, the way that we make a decision doesn't look at just those three pools it looks at all the pools together and it analyzes all those pools together so in that way every pool acts like you know uh, a long thread that weaves through this tapestry and informs me about all the samples excellent uh, really insightful uh, conversation uh, professor manoj thank you again for uh, making time for this thanks hari pleasure that was professor manoj gopal krishnan that's it for this briefing You can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arkli. Thank you for listening.